Hi, this is Dr. Chuck Betters, and I want to thank you for the opportunity you have given us here today to present to you a very special resource. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about what it's like to be a police officer and what it's like to be married to a police officer. Mark Inc. Ministries exists for the purpose of offering help and hope to hurting people. And I pray that today, as you are encouraged by what you listen to, that if you have questions or comments, you will give us a call or that you will contact us. There are so many resources we have on our website, and we want you to take advantage of those resources. If you visit us at markinc.org, that's M-A-R-K-I-N-C dot org, or call us at 877-MARK-INC. We'd be more than happy to help you in any way we possibly can, not just with this resource, but with any of the resources we offer to you. We have in our studio today a very special couple, and I'm going to ask my wife, Sharon, if she will introduce them to you, and we hope this interview will be a blessing. Thanks, Chuck, and I'm very excited about our guests today, Candace and Joe Rossidi. Joe is a police officer, and we are eager to hear about what it's like to be married to a police officer, Candace. There is a lot in the news every day about the price that police officers have to be willing to pay in order to protect us and in order to uh, help there to be order in our daily lives. And we're very grateful to those who are willing to take those risks. But we want to give a glimpse to people to what it's like for the family, uh, what it's like to live behind closed doors in a law enforcement family. But we also want to um, give that glimpse to other law enforcement families in order to give them hope that the struggles that they might be experiencing are not unique to them, but are part and parcel of everyday life. So, Candace, thank you so much for being here. And I'm just going to jump in and ask you, what's it like to be married to a law enforcement officer? Well, I love him for who he is, and he does a job that I'm not willing to do and most people aren't and so I commend him for that and I'm thankful for the police in general but being married to him as so as his wife is a different role and there's a huge amount of worry that goes along with it and some days are harder than others because I've had a hard day and so when my mind is already drained it lends to thinking about things and it goes in places that it shouldn't and so then I start wondering and worrying and dealing with a lot of fear and you know that affects everything else I do or drains me of being able to complete other things in my house getting work done or getting off the couch and I just sometimes sit there and worry and it's very difficult and then there's a lot of stress he has a huge responsibility every day to get up and be there on time and to be present and conscious and full of energy and ready to go and handle whatever comes his way and so he has a lot of stress on him, which makes, you know, taking care of him a little bit more difficult. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of things that go into being married to an officer, and much of it, too, is his schedule. He's on shift work, and so it's 12 hours a day, and it's a couple days on, a couple days off. We have three-day weekends that he's gone for three straight days. Sometimes it's day shift, sometimes it's night shift. So having a routine or any kind of habit that we can set in place doesn't last very long. And that's, it was very frustrating at first, but eventually, you know, I just kind of work around it. But 
it even affects my sleep because he wakes me up when he comes in or I'm up all night like kind of worried and I usually when he's on night shifts I don't think I go to sleep before midnight and you know when he has to get up at 4 30 in the morning I'm up and you know sometimes at the window just thinking and watching the police car drive away you know if he wakes me up and and I end up getting up and then it's hard to go back to sleep after that so there's a lot of different things that kind of race through my head on a day when he's gone and he's gone for 12 hours so those days are really long sometimes. Mm. Joe, tell me a little bit about your family. We have a almost four-year-old, and she's a bundle of energy. She's kind of me and Candace mixed together. Mm-hmm. Um, How long have you two been married? We just celebrated eight years, um, October 3rd, and we dated for, I want to say, four or five years previous to that. So, so we, you have one child. Just one child. Just yes. one child. Yes. yes. So when you leave in the morning, we heard about what it feels like for her when, she, when you leave in the morning. But when you leave, not necessarily in the morning, but when whenever you leave the house for your shift, uh, you walk out the door, what's going through your mind concerning your family? Yeah, that's actually the hardest part of the shift, really. You wake up early in the morning. Sometimes my shift starts at 4.30 in the morning, sometimes 5.30 in the morning and vice versa on night works, 4.30 or 5.30. So when you leave in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, and everybody's tucked in the bed, it's, you know, I miss my wife, obviously, and then you, I go in and see my daughter sleeping, and uh, it's just a overwhelming sense of, I hope I can come back to see my family. So usually I'll kiss Zoe and then... Um, I'll leave her a note on the bathroom mirror. I'll just say, can't wait to see you, you know, this this evening. And then I'll come in and uh, kiss Candace goodbye and tell her, hey, I'm leaving for work and the baby's fine. You don't have to get up and check on her, you know. <laughs> and then um, and then I'm okay. But it's that first sense of saying goodbye is very difficult uh, for me. Um, and then night works is a little bit different because night works, everybody's up. Um, and so leaving is kind of like, you know, you say goodbye, you know, they're going to go to bed at night and then they usually leave me a note for when I come home. And so coming home is even, it's like the best part of my shift because I get to come home, kiss the baby, you know, try not to wake her up at five thirty in the morning, which has happened. And then, you know, mom's got to deal with it. So yeah, walking out of the door in the morning, it's like a mental preparation you say goodbye to your family. Like I said, it's an overwhelming sense of I hope I get to come back and uh, spend some time with them again and that you hope your shift goes well. And then from there, it's just all mental preparation. You don't have time to dwell on that all day. Why do you do this? Why do you put, your, why do you put yourself through this? Have a job where, it's, where you have to think that way every day before you go. What, what's driving that's, you? That's a good question. Um, Different people have different aspirations in life, and certain jobs suit them better. And, I mean, I was obviously kind of—my dad was a police officer before me, so I think that helped me enjoy this job a little bit and want to get into this job. But I would say that the reason I stay in this job is for the protection of other people. That's what drives me behind this job, and there's several reasons to get into it. There's there's obviously variety— there's obviously a brotherhood that you cannot beat anywhere else. Um, there's camaraderie within this job. But 
knowing that I have a responsibility that I look after so many people in my town and and we we pray about it you know God you still want me in this job or not and every time we do it's a sense of now this is what I'm made to do I'm supposed to do at least for now and as I continue to you know stay in this job it it's exciting and it's an awesome responsibility, a great responsibility to look after people and make sure that they can be protected. You know, when I read the headlines and see in social media what is happening to law enforcement families across our country, and I hear you describing leaving your family every day, you that was your uh, process before all of these tragedies took place. What is it like now? Is it harder? Yeah. In fact, we were discussing that even this morning was you turn on the news and there's officers being ambushed and there's officers that made split-second decisions that are now being second-guessed by the media, not even being judged by a jury yet, and they're being judged by the media. And so, yeah, that runs through my mind every single day. Like, what kind of action, not just for my own safety, but is going to be judged by other people. What kind of actions am I going to have to take today? And we face crimes or offenses or that we have to make split-second decisions. We, we do it every single day. Um, and it comes at an unroutine time. And, you know, I, I just had a rookie earlier this year that we went out, we got coffee, and as we were getting coffee, you know, it's a, usually a slow part of the day. We had a, a man that was... He drank too much. He was totally intoxicated. And he was, all we knew was the dispatch center said, um, you know, he's standing outside of his house and basically he's ready for action. And, you know, it's like, but we just got our coffee, you know? And it's, but you have to be, like I said, mentally prepared for that. Um, But yeah, with the, what's been going on with the media, it makes you think a little extra. How am I going to handle this situation? Candace, what what I'm hearing is there's a lot of stress here in your marriage because of the kind of job that your husband has. What does that look like for you? You know that that how does that fear affect you? Now you've described some of it, but what other ramifications are there? Well, initially it was a job that he was doing, and before we had a child, it was he was doing his job, I was doing my job, and then. Once we had a baby, it was very different because now I wasn't working. And so he were totally dependent on his job. And even though we don't love it too often, <laughs> it, it's what pays the bills right now. So you can't just quit. And so there's that kind of stress where he has to keep going in because you need money, because you have to pay your bills and you have to survive. And then I wasn't working. And, you know, and then what happens if something happens to him and I I don't have not just the income, but I don't have my partner in life to help me with this child who needs a father. So there's that stress. And when I watch the news, which I don't do very often, or if I hear about it, you know, from somebody else or some information is unavoidable, I usually panic at first and I get really angry and there's nobody to call and help fix it immediately. And that's very stressful because you're helpless. You're totally helpless even in finding out the facts because you can't you know go to the town where it happened and suddenly investigate and try to save the people and try to figure out the truth and that's really frustrating and then i fear that what if that happens to my husband what if he's doing his job the right way the way he's trained 
and, you know, society takes over, an incident occurs and there's blame and judgment and people are knocking on your door with their video cameras and news media. And I, I don't want to go through that, you know, but I just try to stay strong and try not to dwell on it. And I have, you know, constant, constant hope that it's not going to end up that way for me or for Joe. So you leave the house, you have a stress, you you know that you're leaving to go onto a job that's dangerous. Right. You know your wife is stressed. Mm -hmm. And you know that while you're away, she's going to continue to be stressed until you walk back through the door. So when we put all of this stress together, how does this impact the growth and the healthiness of your marriage? First of all, how does it impact your marriage? Um, anytime you add stress to your marriage. Uh, I mean, I, I guess you can look at that two ways. Uh, first of all, there's, uh, I'm going to bring, I'm going to leave stress at home, and then I'm going to bring stress home after my job, my tour is done for the day. And when you bring that stress home, it can create chaos, you know? So obviously that affects your marriage as far as arguments are concerned, uh, uh, disagreements, um, how you view life in general. Um, that stress affects your marriage. The ability to spend time with each other, you know, that uh, trying to spend time with each other, that stress is always there. However, that being said, what better way to grow in your marriage than to face difficulties and face stress? Because if, if you don't ever face anything difficult, how do you grow together? What borders do you put up? What parameters do you put up in your marriage to guard that alone time and to guard those moments where you're decompressing when you're coming down, so to speak? For example, if you had an especially bad day and you come home and you're all amped up, uh, does she know that when you walk through the door? And yeah, do you yeah. do you have a communication with each other? It's usually a cell phone call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I'm on my way home, it's usually a cell phone call as far as, look, it, it's been a long day. And the, the good thing um, as far as our marriage is concerned is that if I've had a bad day at work, then it's I know that I can come home and talk to Candace about it. Um, that's one thing. A lot of what they tell you in the police academy is don't share things with your wife. And part of that is good and part of that is true, but that can also be very detrimental to your marriage. If you can't talk to your wife, um, you know, or spouse, then you can't hold that in. So usually it starts with a phone call, hey, I've had a bad day. And she'll ask me, do you want to talk about it? And I'll just tell her right away either yes or no. And if I don't want to talk about it right away, usually, you know, give us a few hours and after the baby's in bed, we'll go out on the back deck and just kind of vent and and lay it all out. For me, it's been um, when I get the cue when he walks in the door or the phone call um, or whatever it takes for me to notice that, you know, things did not go well that day. I'm usually prepared to put stuff aside. Just it's one of those things where you just drop it all. Whatever I had planned for the night, I just you know, I'm prepared at this point in our marriage that those days are going to come. And so I can't hold fast to my plans. And that is, 
I mean, there's a huge learning curve to getting over that because I want to do what I want to do. <laughs> and but he's got such a serious job and has this responsibility. And, you know, even though I'm working and doing other things, he's the breadwinner. He's the husband. And, you know, so sometimes it's just whatever I needed to talk about, we're not going to get to tonight. And whatever cleaning I had planned or rearranging or wrapping presents or, you know, somebody's birthday party or whatever it is, it's just those plans are going to be on hold because, you know, he needs time to just vent or he needs me to get his clothes ready for the next day or iron stuff or, you know, just take care of whatever's going on in his life because he just has nothing left at the end of the day. His capacity is spent. And so for me, it's been learning what it means to actually be a partner and give up what you're planning to do for somebody else. And that's tough to do in every moment that they need it because, you know, you're internally fighting with what you want to do and trying to recognize somebody else needs you more than you need yourself right now. You know, it's interesting that you say that, and and I'm glad you said that. Marking Ministries produced a whole series of resources on coming home from war designed to reach soldiers. And one of them is called the Demons of War that deals with PTSD, with uh, the aftershock, so to speak, of what these men have have experienced. And one of the things we learned in producing that resource was how important it is for there to be communication from your heart to her heart, from the soldier's heart to his spouse's heart or her spouse's heart. And those who do that well are uh, more than likely going to come through. Those who do not get all bottled up inside. Do you feel that stress, Joe? Do you feel that stress build up over time? Like maybe you had a good day today and you had a good day tomorrow and then a series of bad days. Is this cumulative where you get to the point where you say, you know what, I'm just, I'm just playing tired and I just need to, to talk to somebody. And do you find that she's the person you talk to? Most things, yes. I talk to her about, definitely. However... Do you hide things from her because you don't want her to know some of the stuff you're doing? You talked about the brotherhood earlier on, yeah. that, you know, you have other officers that you can talk to. Is that... Is that Right. Um, I don't hide a whole lot. There are some things you, you have to. I mean, if you have cases that are coming up for trial and you're not allowed to talk about them or or you've just dealt with something like, and like I said earlier, you just, it may be too hard for her to hear. Um, you know, that's, uh, you know, the, some of those things, yeah, I hide, or at least I bottle it up a little bit. Fortunately, I I know some, I don't always go a lot to current police officers, but I have friends that have been retired and they are a good source of information just to they've seen it all and got to retire from it so the things that I cannot tell her or get her advice on because she may not understand what the job is I can go to a retired officer whether it be my dad whether it be a friend that I just known I, I know uh, several good friends that have retired just very good men and just bouncing off bounce things off them. You know, it sounds to me like a lot of what you do is life-changing. It yes. would change your perspective. It could change your personality, um, change the way you view life. And so, Candace, when, when you think about that, 
is he the same man you married? Or do you look at him sometimes and say, where is the man that I married? Well, the heart of Joe is still the same. He's still the same guy that I fell in love with. And we still do the same things for fun and relaxation when we get to them. (laughs) That's still the same. And so he's, he's definitely still that guy. Just what really has changed is his perspective on life is that he just he sees so much that he doesn't, he's very desensitized to it. So if I come in with this tragic story, he's like, yeah, I see it every day. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't bother him, you know, as much. And he's not as excited to do and go out and be part of life and run around with friends and, you know, go to different parties and stuff. Cause he just wants to sit down and relax and be left alone and be away from people. Because when there are people, there are issues, whether it's supposed to be, you know, a good party, it just, there are people, there are issues. So he just wants time away from that. And I spend a lot of time at home, you know, with the baby and, you know, catering to things of the house. So I'm ready to go. You know, I want to go out and eat some food and talk to people. And so we're a little bit off there. So that's changed. And I think his, his outlook is a little bit different than mine. When I meet people, I wonder what they're about. I'm curious. I am concerned about their background and, you know, what they do for a living and stuff like that. And he looks at people and he's like, I wonder what their background is. I wonder what they, you know, are up to what they think like. And, you know, so we just, we look at things totally different because he, you know, has that kind of job. So he's very critical that way. (laughs) So over time, he's a little more cynical is maybe a little too harsh of a word, but he's always wondering what the scam is or where the advantage is coming from. (laughs) You know, so we don't always line up in our thinking that way when we look out at the world or the things that we're going to get involved in. Let me let me throw a series of words at you. And either one of you can respond to this when we talk about your personality, your outlook on life, uh, the desire that you have for things that have changed over the course of your married life. Uh, let me just have you comment, whichever one wants to do this. You've already mentioned money. It, it's difficult because of one income at this point. How about long-term plans? I think they're ever-changing based on retirement, you, you know, within the police department. Um, if you're looking long, very long range, they're ever-changing. But not just that, but trying to go out a year in advance to plan vacations is even difficult because you don't know your schedule from year to year. It changes every year. That would that would apply to weekend plans as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. So like I was saying before, he's he just wants to come home and relax and not go anywhere and not do anything. And most people don't live there. You know, you always have to be somewhere at some interaction. And so when he doesn't feel like it, sometimes we don't go or he doesn't go or we don't stay as long. Or if I know he doesn't want to go, then I'm not as excited to go because if we're not doing it together, then it's just not as fun. So, you know, that changes and that's affected some relationships. I've lost a couple of couple of friends because on the weekends when he's home, I don't do anything with anybody else because he's home for that weekend and they don't understand why I can't participate in their child's birthday party or whatever they have going on. And it's because he's home and I want to be with him. And, you know, it's been one of those things where we're not meaning to choose ourselves over them, but our time is sacred because we don't have, you know, every weekend off and most families do. What about your sex life? How does being married to a law enforcement officer affect that, especially when you see the changes in him in his view of, of life and the stresses on your time together. 
Well, it, it, it's funny you ask that too because, um, well, it's been about four and a half months now, but um, I happen to be unlucky enough to prick myself with a heroin needle uh, at an overdose scene, and that basically put uh, sex life out because you had to get tested. I had to get tested every six weeks to make sure that I didn't pick up a communicable disease. Mm -hmm. And that was very difficult because we talk about uh, sex life, but at the same time we were basically planning to have a second child. And I was in tears in the doctor's office feeling like a crybaby, like, you know, telling the nurse, like, listen, I'm sorry, I'm crying, but it, uh, we were planning number two. And that was a big step for us. And, and all of a sudden, they, that, those plans got squashed. Um, so that you always have, even when you try, there's always a hindrance because of scheduling, always. Things aren't as spontaneous either, you know, and that maybe is a little detrimental too. Yeah, because it's the spontaneity is a little gone because, you know, the schedule changes. And then even when he's on day shifts, when you have to get up at 430 in the morning, you're going to bed at like eight o'clock. And I, I don't go to bed at eight o'clock because the daughter goes to bed at eight o'clock. So that's when I do what I got to do until like 11. And so then he's asleep and I'm awake. And so it's planned <laughs> a little bit, not like all the time, but I don't know. It's it's not it's not unnatural the way it occurs, but sometimes it's a little funny. Like we have to talk about it first. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to be intentional. Right. You yeah, have to guard guard that part of your life and realize it's important and it's worth it to be intentional. Right. Yeah, spontaneity is after five decades of counseling people. Spontaneity is uh, it's an overused word uh, because sexually, as couples mature and develop in their personal relationship to each other, their sexual relationship also has to grow with it. And that does take planning and it does take work and it does take um, a willingness to step outside of yourself and look at what the physical relationship is supposed to be and that is to please the other rather than to please yourself. I'm thinking about a, a couple right now that sat right where you're sitting. They did one of our resources on um, uh, coming home from war and the intimacy between them, and I'm not just talking sexual intimacy, int intimacy between them was, was broken, mainly because of a lot of what he saw when he was at war. And she found out for the very first time, right here as she was sitting here in the studio, talking with him to us that he had been wounded in battle. She did not know that. He did not even tell her that he had been wounded in battle. And, and I, I keep coming back to this whole thing of PTSD because uh, I think that term may be overworked for some, but I think police officers certainly face PTSD. And the emotional uh, lockdown that you go in can inevitably uh, affect your physical relationship. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Now, we may not have it on the same scale as soldiers that don't see their family for a year but yeah when you're locking things away and hiding things yeah that I mean that puts a wall between intimacy whether physical or just like you were mentioning earlier a heart-to-heart -heart communication it, sometimes I am closed off sometimes she doesn't get a phone call that hey I've had a bad day it's you know and it I just remember a time last year where I did CPR on somebody and it you know, it didn't work, basically, which is okay. You get used to that. But there was something, I don't know if it was just two in one day, which is odd, you know, and it's like, wow. And I remember actually sitting there with her 
and actually two of her close friends. We're going through the whole day, and then I finally said, yeah, man, I did CPR on someone today, and they just they died. And it, I was just saying it in a conversation for whatever we were talking about. And everyone was like, stunned. Well, why didn't you tell us? And it because it, it was closed off. And, um, you know, it, it definitely, there is a PTSD, everything you face on a day-to-day basis. Um, and it, it, it creates borders between the spouses. I, I think I hear about all the stresses that you have been expressing. And I know that for myself, when I'm tired, when I'm stressed out, it's much harder for me to be even keeled and to keep my temper under control. I mean, let's just think about it when you're in a traffic jam, you're ready, you want to kill somebody. Yeah, so so how has that affected your marriage as far as uh, your temper goes? I mean, do you guys fight? Have you ever, have any of your fights ever ended up uh, as physical? Um, you know, how far how far have you gone in, in uh, your conflicts? Very easy when you keep things bottled up to lose your temper very quickly. And that's where you asked Candace earlier, how has he changed? I would say one of the areas would be my temper. Just is, I'm not as even keeled as I used to be. We'll just put it that way. Uh, so yeah, we fight. And it doesn't help that, um, as her dad tells me all the time, you know, I raised three daughters not to take anything from anybody. So when we argue, neither of us want to give in. And yeah, we fight. Has it turned physical against each other? No, but there's some doors that have been damaged, and uh, there's been, you know, at least one time where Candace said, I'll, I'll be back, took a drive. There's been, you know, I don't know if I ever walked around the block or anything, <laughs> but... um, Have you ever uh, threatened to leave? Have you ever said, okay, we can't do this anymore, I'm done? There was a time a couple years ago where we were, I was going through some stress in my life. I don't know if I can relate it to this job or if it was just other outside factors. Either way, it was a big, it it was a dark period of my life. And I had Candace in tears every day. I had the baby in tears every day. And and at that point, there was a couple of times where she said, listen, if if this continues, I've got to go. It's unhealthy. And she was absolutely right. And so I saw some counsel and, you know, basically found some godly men and um, worked through that. Now, was that directly related to the job? I'm sure the job had a factor in there. What about protecting your the faithfulness of your marriage? Um, because your hours are crazy you don't have as much opportunity to build that intimacy between the two of you. Our culture does not really encourage fidelity in marriage. Uh, how do you protect your marriage? And, and do you think that there's more temptation in your line of work than maybe in other lines of work? Yeah, definitely. You know, what's the saying, a man in uniform, right? And, and I don't know why, but someone puts on a uniform and they appear maybe because they're in authority, maybe they appear more attractive. And so is there a temptation there? Uh, Not temptation as far as I want to, but I don't. But is there opportunity? Yeah, um, there's opportunities that exist and have been offered. But fortunately, my parents 
had a great example themselves of being faithful in their marriage. And so that played a big part in how I treat my marriage now. And then I also, not that I've ever come to this point, I was never to a point where I said, man, I, I really want to commit immorality against my wife. But even if I got to that point, I, I think I would have to look back and say, I have a wife that does incredible things for me. You talked about the heart-to-heart communication. It's something that she's always willing to share, always. I can vent to her. We can fight, and our marriage will still grow. She's a huge source of encouragement to me. And not only that, but a four-year-old. And I want to throw that away for what? And so that in itself, even if I was tempted at that point, I would say that in itself would make me think again real quick. I think of Joseph, and uh, the life of Joseph is one catastrophic thing after another. And we read this story of him um, all the way up to Genesis chapter 50. And in the life of Joseph, he had all kinds of horrible things happen to him. And he gets to the point where he's just beginning to see some daylight. He's just beginning to feel that the world does care for him and that things are going to work out. This is after taking a horrific beating. And Potiphar's wife comes and tries to seduce him. And I always wondered, you know, Joseph was probably a young man, probably very attractive. Uh, In fact, we know from scripture he was very attractive. And Potiphar's wife was a, a very powerful, powerful woman. And her husband was away. He's on business somewhere. She's alone. He's alone. They're in the same room. Opportunity is there. And I've always wondered about Joseph. What caused him to run away from that situation? What caused him to leave her in that room holding his coat? He literally, she literally physically came at him and he literally left his coat in her, in her hands. What drove him to do that? And when you study, when you study the passage closely, it wasn't, I'm going to get my head chopped off if I have a relationship with this woman. It wasn't uh, that he wasn't tempted. I am sure he was tempted because apparently she was also a very beautiful woman. And when you read the passage closely, it, it says, how can I commit this great sin against my God? And it all boiled down to his faith. It all came down to his relationship to his, his God. Um, and you think, you think about that, and when men are in positions of authority, uh, the opportunities are there. They're clearly there. And uh, women oftentimes take advantage of that, especially when the man is down. So, Candace, I want to ask you, uh, we talk about these moments of temper, these moments of communication breaking down. Can you give us an example of one event that you remember where you said, you know what, I'm just going to walk away from this right now. And it got to the point where you said, enough. Can you tell us what happened? (laughs) Well, it's a little bit sad and it seems menial. It really does. It seems like silly to fight over it. But, you know, we, I'm dealing with a, a young baby I'm not working, so I'm trapped at home all the time with nowhere to go. And, you know, like I'm, I was a professional, you know, and I have an education. And when you have a baby, 
and you're at home because you want to do the right thing by taking care of her, you have nothing left of yourself, really. You're just kind of, you feel like a slave to your husband, a slave to your child, and you're just kind of stuck there. And he came home and had a bad day, and I was really upset because our dog... (laughs) Um, had peed on the couch and it was just like the final straw for me. You it's know, never, because it's never about the dog peeing on the couch, no, is uh-uh, it? <laughs> no. But I just wanted the dog to go and I wanted him to do something about it and build like an outside doghouse. And so the fight was centered around, you know, that thing. But I was just very frustrated because nothing was happening for me in my personal life. I had no free time, no freedom, you know, no time to get my hair or my nails done. And even though that's trivial, there was just nothing for me. And so I just exploded like the dog peeing on the couch was the end of it for me. And I actually had to walk away and I, I went into the garage and that was the most physical or violent I've ever been in my whole life. I was kicking things and throwing things in my garage because I couldn't do it in my house, you know, and I couldn't expose my child to seeing me or embarrass myself in front of my husband. But I I was going to freak out, you know, and just and it was a very um, dark moment in my life. I was embarrassed to myself, but I didn't know what else to do, you know, because it, how do you get all of that emotion out of your body unless you're going to yell and scream or kick or break something, where does it go? It has nowhere to go. And that was really scary for me because, you know, I didn't totally lose control, but I finally saw what maybe some other people do deal with when they don't know how to control themselves. They, they hit people, you know, or they throw things at people or they drink a lot right there on the spot or they drive fast in a vehicle or, you know, they call, people out and start yelling and screaming and you can't repair some of those conversations. So I just, I left totally bewildered and didn't know what else to do or where else to go. It was, I felt really trapped and at hostage in my own life at that point, but that's what I did. I went in my garage and I broke some things and threw some things. You know, sometimes when you hear these stories, uh, one side is told and then when the other person tells the same story, it's totally different. So what, how do you, how do you remember this story? How do you remember this event? I remember it. Um, I, I didn't remember the cause of the fight, um, but I know both tempers were lost. And I don't know if I broke anything that day, but that's not to say I'm not guilty of that. Um, we both have pretty good tempers, but I remember her in the garage and I remember hearing things break. I'm like, Oh, ah, uh, <laughs> and um, fortunately, it was a uh, plastic bin, I think, that could be recycled, and it wasn't all my personal stuff. <laughs> so, but um, did you know why she was out there in the garage? I knew. I knew why. You figured it out quickly, or did it? It was no. It was right off the end of an argument. So, and I think we, and I don't know where Zoe was at at the time. I think she was inside with us. But you know, it's uh, we both lost our cools, and. Um, she went one way, I went another way. She went into the garage, and I, I don't remember what I did, but I just I remember being in the house and hearing her in the garage and hoping the cops were not going to get called. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this precipitates a question for me. And I, 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 see, I see a man sitting there listening to this who's, who's a cop. And I see a woman sitting there listening to this who is the spouse of a cop. So here's what I want to do. Candace, I want you to talk to that cop, and I want you to say, this is what your wife needs from you. This is what she's expecting from you. And then I want you to talk to that spouse, 
And I want you to say the same thing. This is, this is what the cop expects from you. Well, what I would say to that other cop is that your wife has been home all day waiting to be relieved of her duty, that even though you don't have the ability to make a true comparison for what you've done all day and what she's done all day, you're her only hope of getting out of the house or, you know, just being able to take a shower and not have to worry where the child is. And when you come in and all you want is to go take a nap and lay in your bed and get something to eat and have me, you know, rub your shoulders and take your shoes off, <laughs> um, you're completely at odds at that moment. Like you both want something from the other one and neither one of you is going to get it if one of you doesn't compromise. And neither one of you wants to be the one to compromise. So if there is at all a way that you can leave your job at your job and come in and think about you walked in the door, you left it all at work, you're home, you're here, you're safe. What does my wife need? She just needs probably 15 or 20 minutes to think for herself with no other distractions and she'll probably be fine. Just a very short period of time is all it really takes for you to just say, it's all about you for 20 minutes. Do what you need to do. Would your answer be the same for a working mother? Someone who is thinking the very same thing when she comes home that, uh, hey, husband, you, you, need to, you need to take over here and uh, I've had a rotten day as well. What would you say to that working woman who's out working outside the home? I hate to say working woman and, and exclude you because working at home is work. Uh, but that, that mother who's working outside the home, she comes home and she has needs uh, would you say the same thing to that to that cop? Well, right now I am working outside the home. It's been very recent. For the first like three years of her life, I wasn't, and now I am working outside the home, and that's presented like a totally different scenario because I'm exhausted and I want to come home and take a nap, and that opportunity is just just doesn't exist. And so trying to accept that, and then he walks in the door twenty minutes later, just as tired. It's almost let you feel helpless again. And you're like, what, what do I do? And you have to somehow be able to put your needs aside for a little bit longer, which the emotion will rush in, you know, that you feel taken advantage of by the whole world and no one to pinpoint exactly who did it. But you still feel taken advantage of like, when is my time going to come? And there's no real good solution for how to do it practically, except that you just almost come in and say, go take the time that you need, and then I'll go next. And Joe and I have worked that out a little bit. We've sectioned off the evening sometimes. Okay, we're going to do this for an hour and do that for a half an hour, and you're going to play with her while I cook dinner, and this is how we're going to get showers done for the night. And then at 8.30, we'll finally be able to either spend time together or do what we want to do separately or whatever it is. We actually have to talk through that and plan it, or it'll explode and it won't happen. I would say to the spouse of a police officer that, your spouse has just spent a great part of the day protecting other people. So when they come home, be their protector. Uh, we will have things occur at work, whether within the department where we feel 
taken advantage of or laughed at or just didn't feel that we did a job up to par or we, we may be dealing with people that basically said, I don't care and I'll fight you if I have to. And when we come home, we need to know that despite what anybody else thinks of us, that you are going to be our number one protector and supporter. Sharon, we have a young couple sitting in front of us, and clearly there are stresses in their marriage that um, are the result of the job. But I, I can envision that there are others who have different kinds of stresses in their marriage. Now, they're young. You and I are not. And we've been married now for, we're, we're approaching 50 years. And we've had our share of stresses uh, in our marriage, especially after we lost Mark. Talk to, talk to that person that's listening to this now. Talk to that wife who's listening to this right now about communication and about the whole idea of how do you handle your husband's stress. Well, as I was listening to Candace and Joe talk, I thought really a lot of the stresses that they've described are universal with couples, uh, but accentuated because of your calling as a law enforcement officer. But what kept coming back to me what it was what I was hearing the two of you say is that you start out at one point with a commitment to one another even though you haven't verbalized it as we made promises to each other when we were married, those promises are really what is keeping, are keeping you on that pathway um, together and determined that you're going to face the challenges and you're going to work through them. And so to any couple that is listening, I would say if you're struggling, if you're in a hard place, that really is where you have to go. You have to go back to the core. You have to go back to the beginning of what, what do I believe? What do I believe about marriage? What do I believe about my own heart? What do I believe about the heart of the person that I'm married to? And for us, that goes back to our faith. That goes back to the uh, one who created us. And as Joe has said, if you are under authority, then there is an authority over you. You have accepted that there is a supreme being. For us, that supreme being is God. And he is the God who sent his son Jesus to save us, to save his children from their sin. They couldn't do it on our own. We could not do it on our own. We know, I know that my heart is really messed up. And I need someone who can take away the sin, to forgive me of the sin, and then to walk with me through life and help me to spot those areas of sin that need to be transformed. And just like you guys said, your calling is a platform for challenging those hard places. And marriage is a platform for challenging who we are and what our hearts are really like. And sometimes we don't like it very much, what we see about ourselves. And Candace, you have said it repeatedly, and I would say to that couple, it's a matter of choosing who's going to be first. Who's going to be first right now? And if both the husband and wife are asking that question and talking through that question, then sometimes it's going to be the wife that is first, and sometimes it's going to be the husband that's first. And sometimes it's going to be both of you trying to help the other one keep on walking that pathway. But as, 
as believers, as people who are submitted to Christ, we go back to the template. And the template is it's 100% on. You know, it's like we say, well, when is it my turn? Well, actually, it really never is my turn. (laughs) In the reality of serving Christ, it's always about the other person. But in a marriage where the, the husband and the wife are both committed to that, imagine what that is like, because both are committed to saying, how can I serve you in this situation? I love your transparency, Candace and Joe, because you haven't whitewashed it. You have, have acknowledged this is hard. This is challenging. Um, we don't always do it right. We do it wrong. Mm-hmm. But those are the moments when faith is our foundation where we can come back to what we know to be true, and that is, I have been forgiven much, therefore I can forgive. Um, and I can seek forgiveness because I know my own heart. And that to me, Chuck, is the key to living in any kind of a relationship, whether it is packed with the daily stress of the fears, Candace, the fears that you live with, uh, my heart just aches and breaks for you and for every law enforcement family that has to live with that 24-7. But always coming back to that foundation, which, Joe, you talked about earlier, too, is God is sovereign, and I'm going to trust him. And, and I believe that that has to apply to every one of us in our daily lives uh, as life is so uncertain. Before my wife is my wife, she is my sister. We're, we're related in a much deeper way because of our faith in Christ, because he calls me his son, he calls her his daughter. That makes us brother and sister. And that's why in heaven there is no marriage, because there's a higher relationship, something that goes much deeper than a marital relationship, which is an earthly, God-ordained institution. There's something much deeper that causes us to look out for the interest of the other and that is the blood of Christ. I have been forgiven. She is my sister. My responsibility with all the pressures that we have in our life, she is my responsibility to look for ways in which I can serve her. Now, if I'm doing that and she's doing that, if she's looking for ways to serve and please me and I'm looking for ways to serve and please her, imagine when two people are doing that and that that's the basis of their relationship, somebody's going to be happy. Somebody has to be happy. And so just one final question uh, for you, for, for the two of you. I understand now with all the stuff that you're involved in, all the stresses in this, in this home, that the two of you have teamed up to be involved in ministry. Uh, and you've taken on the responsibility of ministering to people my age. Uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about that. Wow. Um, and why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> my parents uh, raised me to be around not just people my own age. People my own age, I could get in trouble with, and I did. And um, But there was people that were... 10 years older than me, 15 years older than me, or even my grandparents. I spent almost every day with my mom's uh, mom and dad. And they all looked out for my well-being to say either that's going to be a stupid decision or I made that decision in the past and it didn't work out for me or they were just there for good godly advice 
And so it just created a heart in me to serve those who were older than me. Um, I know Candace mentioned earlier as far as uh, it, we at one of our churches, um, we would pop in with the, it was called the Seasoned Saints group, but I would just pop in and, you know, I was part of their group, <laughs> even though I was like early 20s. Um, but they just, even then, still took me on. And it's just something we appreciate when, when anybody older, I don't care if you're five years old or 10 years, but you've experienced life uh, somewhere on a different scale than I have. Anytime you're willing to pass on advice, why wouldn't we take it? And why wouldn't, the Bible's very clear on honoring those who are older than you because they've experienced what you haven't, because they can give you advice. And, and that's why we chose this ministry. And I think for me, that was one of the reasons that I really kind of fell in love with him because he was always um, sending or helping the little old ladies to their seat in church. And it was just so sweet, but he's had a heart for helping people, um, which makes sense, you know, in the profession that he has. But the ministry opportunity is is great for us because even though, you know, we do struggle with time and those kind of things, it's um, allowing us to partner together for a reason that would please God, that he would, you know, be um, honoring to the time that we want to spend because we're doing it to serve him and to serve his people. And so to partner together with us, there's a lot of safety and security in that too for our relationship and our marriage because it forces us to be together and to be around other people that have struggled through their life and that are still married um, and they've gone before us they've raised children they've done a lot of things and so while we're in it to serve them we're also going to get that benefit out of it too to be able to see how people made it this far and that's one of the th one of the goals of the ministry too is to be able to join the people that are 55 and older with people that are in our age group and people that are younger and have those relationships kind of form because there's so much value to that. There's so much wisdom that they have that we don't. And I want to make sure that my marriage lasts, that we have every resource possible to, you know, make it together. And so I really, I look up to all of them and I'm thankful that there's opportunity there for me to learn and we want to give back to that. We want to create these opportunities to go out because they're looking for things to do. And, um, you know, they just want to have opportunities for fellowship and we're just going to, you know, organize those events. And, and that's really the purpose for the ministry for both of us. I think I look at the two of you, you're a young couple, you have a young child, you, you love what you do. You love each other and you have a strong faith and your faith, I believe is more than likely something that truly sustains you. You want to talk a little bit about that, Candace? Well, I mean, that's where I end up um, when I've thought way too long and I've allowed myself to endure the worry and the fear and I'm at the bottom of the downward spiral and I'm looking up. The only thing I'm looking up at is that God's going to bring him home at the end of the day, you know, or he isn't. And that's, that's his sovereign power. And I have to accept that and even though I don't want to have him dead and buried before he's walked in the door, because he probably will, your mind still goes there and you freak out for a little bit. And then you remember that, you know, somehow you have gotten through everything you've gotten through in your life to this point and you're going to make it through today too, you know, and so is he and God is there for me. And I have to, I have to remind myself of that. And then I can go back to functioning and, you know, responding to my child and, 
doing my job at home and, you know, doing the little jobs that I do, um, you know, out in the world. So I'm very dependent on the fact that I have Christ in my life or I'm I'm useless completely. One of the mantras of Mark Inc. Ministries, in fact, the mantra of Mark Inc. Ministries, besides offering help and hope to hurting people, is God is sovereign and you can trust him. Now, that first part is easy to believe. God is sovereign. That second part is, well, since God is sovereign, can I trust him? Do you ever, do you ever, how do you react to that statement? God is sovereign and you can trust him. I think that God is ever working in my life and not just within the police department, but in our marriage, in our, both our personal lives. And you, it's very easy to apply God in every other part of our life. And now you come to the police department where I say, man, I dread walking out the door for you know a brief moment. And then that's where my trust has to fall back onto God, where God planned for me to be a police officer and for his reasons. And it may be in his plans that I can retire, or it may be in his plans that I won't. It may be in his plans that I may get seriously injured. That's something that's not always talked about. We always worry about being killed in the line of duty, but we don't worry about the serious injury. And there's plenty of areas in Scripture where you see good men, good women that have either risked it all for their faith, and some ended up okay, and some did not. And that's where my trust has to go that, if it if in scripture it doesn't happen for everybody it's it's all in god's sovereign plan um and that's basically i i do doubt it's very hard to keep that trust yeah i was going to ask how prevalent is faith in the brotherhood i think most officers that i come in contact with believe in god or believe in fate believe in something and I think you almost have to, because if you are going to bear the authority of a law, then you have to have a lawgiver or a supreme lawgiver somewhere. Now, where we address that faith is different. And some of us may just believe in a higher power. Some of us may believe in God. Some of us know how to apply God through Christ in our lives. And that may not be so prevalent, the personal relationship with with a sovereign God. Joe and Candace, what really strikes me about the two of you is your intentionality, if that's even a word, of how you are recognizing the challenges of marriage, whether or not you're a law enforcement family or not. But then with the added stresses of law enforcement, you're looking at that and saying, all right, what do we have to do to to overcome those challenges and to face those challenges? You're very young. And you've learned a lot in the eight years that you've been married. You've put a lot of good things in place. And one of the things that, uh, Candace, I was—I wish that I had said earlier was when we feel as though we're, we're screaming that question, when is it our turn, how important it is to be surrounded by people that we can talk to that will help talk us off the cliff, so to speak, and help us get back on track. And you're doing that. And you're doing that in a remarkably mature way. And I want to commend you for that, uh, for being willing to share the hard places, 
but also for the hope that you are giving to other couples, especially law enforcement families. You can do it. You can have a strong marriage in spite of the hard places that you have to experience every day. If you're listening to this resource, it's more than likely because you are either a law enforcement officer or you are the spouse of one or a family member of one. And Mark Inc. Ministries wants to thank you for your service. We are supporters of our law enforcement officers, and we're encouraged by the stories we hear from people like Joe and Candace. And I, too, want to thank both of you for participating in this interview. I hope that it's become clear uh, throughout this interview that there is something much higher uh, than being a police officer, being the spouse of a police officer that's at stake here. And that is a personal relationship with a living God. You know, a lot of people talk about God and their belief in God, but we believe that God has revealed himself in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, that God became flesh and dwelt amongst us, that God became incarnate and revealed himself in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who came with a mission. He came to heal the sick. He came to restore sight to the blind. He came to forgive and to reconcile sinful people like you and me back to himself. And in order to do that, he had to go to a cross. And that cross, that blood that was shed on that cross, was the wrath of God poured out on Jesus instead of being poured out on me or you. And you stop and think about it for a moment. When Christ gave his life on the cross for us, he did so willingly. He willingly submitted himself to death so that he can conquer death in our behalf. If you do not know him, Mark Inc. Ministries would like you to come to know him. We would do whatever it takes to help you understand the good news. That's what the word gospel means. The good news that Christ came into this world to save sinners. We pray that you would put your faith and your trust in him and in Him alone for your salvation. Mark Inc. Ministries exists for the purpose of offering help and hope to hurting people. You can visit us at markinc.org. That's M-A-R-K-I-N-C dot org. Or you can call us at 877-MARK-INC. M-A-R-K-I-N-C. May God richly bless you. And I trust that when you've used this resource, you will pass it on to someone else who can indeed be blessed by it. Have a great day.